Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. Hello, everyone. This is the part of the podcast where TJ's gone to pee and I've now overtaken the show. So let's talk about... No, I'm just kidding, TJ. Oh, my God. I just was drinking too much coffee. I I took over the show while you were gone, by the way. Oh, you did. Perfect. I can't wait to listen to it back. Let's start this. Uh, Great. Mark. Hi. Mark, welcome to the program. I'm so excited to have you on. TJ, we're here. We're doing it. We're doing it. Um, Let everybody know who you are. And if you had a bio line for your life, what would it be? Uh, Hello, everyone. I am Mark Edwards. I am an actor, voice actor, singer, uh, 21st century renaissance man, multi-hyphenate. If I had a bio line for myself, I mean, I guess that would be it, essentially. I mean, that's that's me in a nutshell. It's pretty Um, good. Yeah. I I do a lot of crap. I do a lot of crap. Like I, I have my hand in so many different pots that sometimes it's maddening and I like, I love it. I, I love that. I ha- and I, that's one of my greatest strengths, I think, mm-hmm. but I, it's also maddening at the same time. Now I try to do that and then I just overwhelm myself. It's with- incredibly overwhelming. <laughs> yes. All the time, all the time. Uh, let's start at the top. Tell us a little bit about young Mark growing up. Hmm. Young Mark. Well, we found out in those questions that young Mark was burned. He was. Yeah. Four years old. Uh, So when I was, so I grew up, um, my mom uh, for 25 years was the executive director of our local YMCA and still uh, worked there and was very involved in the YMCA even before that. So So. my entire life, I grew up in the Y. Um, And it just so happened that uh, this is where this story takes place. Uh, so my brother was at a swim meet. He was swimming. I was four years old. Um, and we were in the building that this swim meet was taking place inside of. And my mom, who worked for the Y and worked in that building, um, someone rushed into the pool room and was like, pat, pat, pat. You know, And you know, all of a sudden, my mom turns to me and she goes, listen. You stay right here and do not move until I come back. Okay. I'm four. I'm not listening to her. But I'm like, where did my mom go? I don't know any of these strange people sitting on these bleachers around me. So, of course, I got up and I mean, I would think I lasted maybe 15 seconds. And I got up and I went to go find her because I don't know, I'm four and all children have ADD when they're four years old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. And so I went to go look for her. And what was happening, give you a little bit of the story before, you know, what was happening was the boiler room was overflowing. Oh. And it was flowing into the hallway and they were trying to clean it up because people are coming and going. It's a swim meet. You know what I mean? They're in this building. So they're trying to like cordon off the area and get the water pushed back and whatever, but it's boiling water boiler overflowing. So I go and I'm looking for her. I'm like, mom, mom, mom. I turn the corner into the hallway. I slip on some of the water that had overflowed into the hallway and I slid. 
And I didn't go all the way into the boiler room, but I was like boiling water on the floor. And then I'm four oh, and it hurts. Yeah. So I'm thrashing, right? Thrashing yeah. back and forth. And so burn, like burn everywhere. Um, so then they stripped all of my clothes off, put me in a, in a cold. Some people were like cold water, no warm water, no cold water. And I remember standing under the shower and looking at my forearms and seeing the skin peeling off of my arms. Yeah. That first layer. Like I remember seeing it and screaming, why is my skin peeling? You know what I mean? Like it was, it was. Whew. So then they medevaced me to Philadelphia, um, children's hospital of Philadelphia. And, um, I had skin graft taken because they wrapped me up and then when they stripped all of my clothes off, they took them all off except for one nylon sock, which seared to my left foot. So the sock seared to my foot. So then I had to get a skin graft because they had to remove the sock and then some of the skin with it. So I had they took skin from the side of my leg and put it on my foot. And I still have a scar there to this day. And the, why did they forget this? This suck. It was like a rush. It was like, get his clothes off, get him under the water, get him in the ambulance. Go, go, uh, go, go, go. You know, and then it was just like this sock was still on my foot you so know. traumatic then such... when i was in the <laughs> hospital then when i was in the hospital i was there for two weeks and at the end of the two weeks i got the chicken pox on oh. top of burns okay this is what we're talking about so but anyway i'm totally fine like i can think back on it. i'm not afraid of hot water i'm not afraid of like, you know what i mean so it's me to the ymca or any of those things go to the ymca the ymca is safe I don't have a problem turning the water on hot and putting my hands underneath it, you know, but, but that is a real thing for some people. Some people yeah. get really traumatized by that, but I can look back on it without too much problem because I would think I was so young, you know, yeah. like it didn't really affect me. My mom, on the other hand, I mean, she's, she wasn't traumatic, uh, traumatized by it, but she can remember a lot of things about that whole thing that I can't. So it's interesting to talk to her about it sometimes, you mm -hmm. know, and go, Oh my God, tell me about this. Yeah. story because i don't remember it the way you do you know well yeah i mean you're traumatized and you're four years old so it's kind of like just taking in as much information as you can but also being like overwhelmed with the feeling of like pain you have no idea what's going on yeah. you know what i mean you're just like i and i have like flashes in my brain so like mm -hmm. i remember i remember being on my back you know, and like thrashing. I remember being under the water and looking at my forearms. I remember mm -hmm. all of a sudden being on my back in the ambulance and like mm -hmm. staring at the top of an ambulance. Apparently they took me in a helicopter. Don't remember. Ooh, that. Fun. Don't remember that. Um, uh, yeah. Like I remember being in the, the, um, hospital. There was a guy from our church that like had like this animals on wheels thing that he brought around to like the different hospitals to like perk up the kids who are oh, in the yeah, yeah. all the time. And that was fun. Like I was like, I'm chilling. Like once the whole thing was done. Now the, the one thing that I do remember being a bit traumatized by was because at that time, this was 90, 90, this was like 1990 or 89. So, I mean, they had to staple my bandages to me. Oh, Okay. They had to staple the bandages and well, and they had to staple them and like, I'm, I'm a, like all the bandages are sticking to my body. Like yeah. the skin's trying to heal. Right. Yeah. So when they had to change my bandages, it, I mean, I would scream bloody murder and my mom would be sitting outside like in tears because she's like, Oh my God, my child is screaming and I can't help him. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 
Um, so that's a traumatic way to start your your youth. Sorry about that. Yes, that's you know, <laughs> young Mark. That's yeah, Mark at four. Yeah, but you had told us about that in those questions, so I wanted to make sure that we really touched upon that. What I know that I know Mark as a vocalist. So mm-hmm. at what point in your life did you decide that that singing or acting or being in musical theater was like a thing for you? I've always been singing. Oh. I've been singing since oh gosh, uh, well I was a ham. I was a yeah. ham when I was a kid. My uh, my aunt Linda has a very good friend named Marty, and I would always call her Aunt Marty, but she wasn't oh. part of our family. And we would go to her house, and I remember her having this landing into her basement, like there would be some steps, and then there was a landing. Uh-huh. And then there was like one or two more steps that went out into the open basement. And I would stand on that landing and put on shows all the time when I was there at the age of like five. You know, like this, I was always doing it. And then I was always singing in school, always in choir, always in band, always involved in music. Um, I did, I did my first, um, music musical in uh, a a fourth grade, something like that. It was the King and I, I was the, I was Prince Chulalongkorn, which was too hard for me to say. So we just called him Prince Chewy. And, uh, and it was like a community theater production, yeah. but it was like, I got a part, yeah. you know what I mean? And in, in this, in this thing. So, um, so I started acting then, you know, just yeah. in community theaters and stuff. Uh, but I was all, I was singing, I was always singing. Um, and I wanted to be, um, a choir director, um, a music teacher. Uh, that's what I went to school for actually to music education. And then as soon as I finished college, I went, Nope, don't want to teach. Oh, at least, oh yeah. At least not right away. Um, because I was like, well, I can either be a teacher and have people question what it is that I'm doing, or I can be an actor and have people question what it is that I'm doing, you know? Uh, so why not be an actor for a while? I can always come back to teaching if I want to. And here we are now 11 years, 12 years later, and I'm still doing, um, performing arts. I'm still acting and, and doing all that. Yeah, it's kind of like that that battle between you can make a dollar doing both. Which one do you want to do? Well, like right. teaching is like teachers are completely underpaid, but I mean actors live in you know times when they're just not even working. Well, it's hilarious because I, I said to myself at the time, I was like, okay, I can either go into a profession, I can go into this profession that's going to be insecure because yeah. at the time in the state of Pennsylvania, arts education wasn't right. really looked on favorably and still isn't in certain Correct. pockets of the state. Yeah. And the country at large. So I'm like, well, why am I going to go into this profession if there's a possibility that I could, you know, lose my job? And then I went straight into acting. So, <laughs> so, so really I picked the more secure of the two, <laughs> you know, um, but I've been fortunate enough to, um, you know, have now a, a long career doing that. So now also you mentioned singing and, and acting, um, were you're in the color guard. You were in the color guard. Yes, I was. Uh, How did you forget to mention that? Really funny. So I, so I was in marching band my whole life, yeah. and um, what I, did you play? Did you, were you like a? I was a tuba player. You were. I was a tuba player. I used to march around that field with a big old tuba strapped to my shoulder. You kidding? Oh, oh gosh, that seems like um, a lot of weight. It was, it was, a well, because it's not the sousaphone. I didn't, I never played the sousaphone. The sousaphone is the one that wraps around you, right? Oh, it's like wrapped yeah. around. 
Uh-uh. I put that tuba up and I stuck it on my shoulder and I marched around with that sucker. Um, and it was I a blast. Was, I had a blast doing it. I will say if I was in a marching band, I would choose something a little bit more subtle. The flute. A little tiny thing you can stick in your pocket at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, there's like, nothing subtle about a tuba. No. <laughs> People are like, oh, I played the harp in marching band. You're like, well, how right. do you even get I, I mean, drastically around the field. Yeah. are you like having these drums attached to you? I could do what I was like. Give me the flute. Uh, give me something that's like maybe even smaller, the piccolo or, you know, well, I mean, like play a trumpet. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's smaller. You can carry it around me. Nope. Had to pick the tuba and carry it around all over the place with me. So I was doing that for the longest time. And all the time, I was always like looking at the at the girls doing color guard with the flags and the rifles yeah. and the sabers. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to do that. But it was looked upon as, oh, a boy does color guard. He's definitely gay. Yeah. And I gr was growing up in an area of Pennsylvania that like and I grew up in a household that was very um, um, conservative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like my 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 parents never. um you know, said, don't you dare, you know, nothing, any, anything like that. Um, they've always been very open and very supportive of anything that I've wanted to do. Um, but you're, I, I lovingly called this area that I live, the Bible belt of the Northeast, um, yeah. because it's a very conservative area of the state. Um, and that was very much looked down upon, you know, people will think he's gay. And that was something that I was not about to do in high school. Then I went to college and when you go to college, everything changes, right? Like mm -hmm. people don't care any longer and you're able to sort of live this other life and you're able to kind of be yourself and do what it is that you want to do. So I, I still played the tuba for the first two years. And then, um, I went away, uh, and I did, um, drum corps, which is basically competitive marching band on steroids in the summertime. Uh, and I marched with the crossmen and I didn't march tuba. I didn't march any instruments for the first time I did color guard and I had never done color guard before. And I made that squad and I marched my ass off for three months, four months in the summer and was like one of the best people there. Thank you very yes. much. Having never done it before. Uh, and then I came back to my university and I was the drum major for a couple of years. And then I did color guard with the university in my fifth year and then taught color guard for the longest time. So like, you know, it slowly became, you know, more a part of what it is that I could do. And I was more open about doing it. Um, uh, I love the activity. I think it's yeah. incredible. Um, yeah. yeah. Color guard boy for Ooh. sure. It's just hand-eye coordination that I mean, <laughs> like uh, adding the the nature of you know supposedly this is only gay people do this, but it's really just hand-eye coordination. And there's so many sports that are hand-eye coordination, so it's like I read. Mean, it's just a stigma that's on it, really. Uh, absolutely, and and now. I say this all the time when, when I talk about, you know, stereotypes, stereotypes yeah. do exist for a reason. They're there. They're, they're there. I shouldn't say for a reason is aggressive, but stereotypes are there because there has been something, uh, whether it be true or not, that has been shown to people over and over and over and over again. So right. that's what they believe. Um, is it true that probably the majority of men in theater are gay or 
um, are questioning in some way, shape or form? Yeah, probably. Um, is it right to, to put that label on them all, um, ever? No, but that stereotype is there because that has been the norm, right? right? So are there a lot of gay men who do color guard and are in the color guard activity? Absolutely. Are there some straight men that do it too? Absolutely. But that is the stigma because that's the stereotype because that's what people know. That was the norm for the longest time. Right. Right. After you get your uh, degree, what are you deciding to do? So so after I get my degree, because it's in, because I graduate in, in December Mm -hmm. and Christmas and, and the new year happens. And then um, as a teacher, uh, then I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to teach right away. And it's harder to get a job as a teacher in January than it is in the summer, sure. right? Because mm-hmm. people are going all all year and then they're yep. finishing at the end of the year. Um, so I just kind of sat around for a couple of months mm. going, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And mm-hmm. then um, the Bucks County Playhouse in New Hope, Pennsylvania had yes. their open call. Mm-hmm. And my, and I was like, oh, maybe. And my mom and my dad were both like, you should go do it. Go do it. And I did. My mom took me to my very first audition. She took me there, drove me there in the car. How old are you? Oh my God. I was like 21. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this is what I'm talking about. I was like 21, 22 years old, 21. And my mom drove me to the audition, sat outside <laughs> in the car. <clears throat> while I like walked out, we took a we took my a picture in front of I think it was my graduation gown thrown over a door like that was my first yeah. headshot. Yeah, my resume had like my two years working at like construction job on it. You know yeah. what I mean? Along with my degree in music education that I just had, and I sang "This Is the Moment" from Jekyll and Hyde. Very okay. good. Yeah, which so I hit like every no no you're supposed to hit, and somehow they gave me a job. Yeah, and I uh, I did their season for them, um, and I did that year. I did eleven shows in eight months. Whoa, eleven That's shows! It was, it was summer stock, man. It was. Yeah. Let's see if I remember them all. We did, um, oh, uh, we did Footloose, Oklahoma, Guys and Dolls, Funny Girl, Carousel, um, Evita. Phantom, not Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom, Maury Eston's Phantom, um, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Oliver, and The Christmas Carol. When do you decide to leave? Uh, I just did one season with them because at the end of that season, I auditioned for Stiletto Entertainment and Holland America Line, and I went on my very first cruise ship contract. Is that, that was something my first you... New York audition. My first New York audition oh was for Stiletto Entertainment. Did your mom drive you? No. And outside in the car. <laughs> no, I actually went on the train with a bunch of friends from Bucks County Playhouse. We all went on this audition day where there were a whole bunch of auditions happening, yeah. but I was eyeing the, the cruise ship audition. I was nice. like, I'm going to go do that. That sounds like fun to me. So you put your 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 eyes on that that uh, cruise ship uh, audition. Did you? Is that something you wanted to do ever? I don't know that I had really considered it to, at, at first, but then when some, I think someone, I don't even know who, some one of the people that I was working with at Bucks County said, you know, you you would be really good. Uh-huh. 
uh, you know, on a cruise ship because I think they might have done a cruise ship contract at one That's point. They were like, oh my God, you'd be really good at this. Okay, I'll try it. Sure, why not? And, and how then, old did you audition? How old were you? Oh, I would have been a year after the Bucks County thing. So 21, 22, because I think I turned 23 on the contract. So I think I was like 22 when I auditioned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So still young. You didn't really have anything to, to tie you down. So it's kind of like a really great. I was so fortunate through all of the traveling that I did with cruise ships to do things at the age of 23, 24, 26 that people don't do until they're 86, 83. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and I got to see some amazing things yeah. at a very young age. Yeah. And I always had this conversation. I had um, Adam Roberts was on. And Love we had, Adam. Adam is one of my besties. It is such a great story, too, as we kept unraveling all of the the layers of him. It's he's we had this conversation about how bratty it sounds to people when cruise ship performers or workers say oh yeah when i asked you what your favorite place you've ever been to was and you said sydney australia you're in your 30s like i know <laughs> many people i know dream about going to australia or new zealand or any of these places we go to i told them a story about how i was at how i went to um to iceland but uh -huh. i was in iceland every two weeks for right. four months so it was right. like it was kind. I know it inside and out now. I know ins and outs of it. But like in your twenties, you're in Sydney, Australia, and you're like, well, okay, having a what great to time. Do next? Well, and so you know, like you're on those some of those uh, cities and towns. You're only in for a day because you're porting there for a day, and then you leave, and you and you're back again two weeks later. I had a two week dry dock in Sydney. So the ship was. Uh, so I was in Sydney every single day for two weeks straight. I mean, it was a two week paid vacation in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. It was just absolutely in incredible. Um, Did you go to the um, the theme park there? Luna Grunt? Luna Grunt? Luna Gun? No, I don't think we ever did. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, I, I missed an opportunity. Got to go back. <laughs> I'll just have to go back. <laughs> just gonna have to go back but I, you're right it does sound it does sound like a little bratty it sounds like a little elitist you know it's like mm -hmm. oh yeah i was 26 years old and i was in sydney australia yeah for two but, weeks. but that's but that's the other thing too like you know as well as i do that when we were at that age um and starting the cruise ship contract people were like oh you don't do cruise ship contracts if you're starting a career you do those at the end of your career oh, yeah it was it had such a taboo thing on it and yeah. i was like Okay, but I'm gonna do it anyway because they're a they're paying me and yeah. b I get to go places. Yeah. So like that's the other thing too, and that's why I tell um, younger people all the time. I'm like, I don't know if there's still a taboo on on cruise ships or not, but if there is, screw that. Yeah. Go and do it because I got to go to Alaska, to the Caribbean, and live there, and and Venice, Italy, and Sydney, Australia. I've seen some of the most amazing things, and I got paid to do it. And guess what? I came back. I went to New York. I auditioned. I did national tours. I did. Yeah. I worked in New York. So, like, no, it's it's not a taboo thing. Having a cruise ship on my resume did not destroy my acting career. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It really just kind of helps gives you a practice because you're really performing so 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 much i think people how, forget how do you how do you um take care of yourself yeah. over over a period of time how do you 
um, manage your money. Because mm-hmm. I've got plenty of friends who mm-hmm. go who were out on cruise ship and made thousands of dollars on cruise ships mm-hmm. and spent it all on booze and all kinds of stuff all over the world. And you know what? That's totally fine. Good on you. Go for it. And you can do that because guess what? It's your money. Go yeah. for it. But I was able to come back to Pennsylvania, New York, wherever, and not have to wait tables yeah. or do any of the, or have a survival job for a long time yeah. because I had that cruise ship money that I was mm-hmm. living off of. So like poo poo it if you want, but yeah. it's a good deal. It's a really good deal. I lived on, I lived in Las Vegas for two years and didn't have to get a job. Yep. It's crazy. It really yep. is. It really is a, uh, a great practice for, for what you're doing. So you're, you get on the cruise ships and you're a vocalist mm-hmm. and you're only doing that. You go to New York and you're auditioning, you get jobs, you're mm-hmm. doing um, national tours, you're working in New York. Mm-hmm. What else are you deciding to do with your life after singing, during singing? Because I know you say you like to do a whole bunch of things. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was, okay, so I'm doing the acting thing. Then yeah. I'm also um, <laughs> Uh-oh. A, a transcriptionist. For an investment research company. You know what? I have a friend that does this as well. And it boggles my mind. It's great. Um, uh, You know, it's it's basically like I listen to interviews uh, and I transcribe them into a document and send them back. And I've never I've never met a single person in Mm -hmm. person from the place that I worked for. For, Mm -hmm. And I've worked there for five, six years, five years. Never. And years never, Easy never. just kind of like oh, listen yeah. now it it does uh, i don't do anything like just half-assed so yeah. you know i was i was working for a while but the cool part was i was doing that and that was paying my rent so my yeah. money that i was getting from any other job that i i was on a national i was on the national tour of jersey boys doing transcribing at the same time because i was a swing and i would transcribe during the day and i would go do the show at night and I'm making a production salary, okay? And I'm putting the production salary away, paying off credit cards, putting it away in savings, and I'm and I'm literally using the money that I'm doing from transcribing to live day to day. Okay? Mm-hmm. So like that that was a godsend in that way. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean so I had my hand in that pot. Um I'm a huge sports fanatic. Yeah. So, um, so I've got my hand in that pot too. I've taken creative writing classes. So I'm like working on, like, I have three different book ideas that are rolling around in my head. I've got this podcast that I, that I'm, you know, sort of doing, you know, it's kind of going back and forth. I've now started my voiceover career. Yeah. So like, there's a, oh my God, my hands in every single, and all these different pots. And I would like to say that, and this is my point that I make to everybody on this is that what I think is unfortunate right now, and maybe I don't have my finger on the pulse of this. Maybe you can speak to this a little bit better. Sure. Um, But what I think is unfortunate is I think we're still in a culture where young students, young actors are being told that they have to solely focus on their acting in order to be worth anything in this profession. Hmm. That, That they have to solely be dedicated to music theater or else they're never going to make it. And I think that's complete and total bullshit. Mm -hmm. I call BS 
because what are we trying to do as actors, as artists? We are trying to provide a an escape for our audience, but B we're trying to, we're trying to provide, um, a, a parallel world. Uh, um, we're trying to imitate life and 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 comment on it. And there's no way that you can accurately portray a character if you have zero life experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So go out and take a photography cl class. Go out and take a writing class. Go out and do all of these things. Get life experience because it's only going to help you as an actor. So that's like my my little side caveat. And mm -hmm. that's why I say that being a multi-hyphenate in this world in 2021 is the best thing you can possibly do because it will only make you a better artist. Mm -hmm. it, it It doesn't take away. It only makes you better at what you do. Yeah, there, you're, you definitely said it. There's an experience that you wanna that you wanna portray to an audience, uh, and it be natural as well. And how do you have a natural experience or portray a natural experience if you've never had it before? Correct, correct. It's difficult. You can still get there, but it's gonna yeah. be a lot harder for you to get there unless you have life experience. Now, I'm not saying go out and do a bunch of drugs so that you can figure right. out how how to play, you know, a drug addict. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But, but. If you are only ever focusing on music theater 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you don't expand your uh, um, your avenues, you don't expand and you don't put your hand in a bunch of different pots, then you're not going to have as much experience as somebody who is and that can be a little more natural when they go into the room. Mm -hmm. you know? And you're heavily focused on one thing for so long. And I think this was this was something that I had to deal with or still deal with now is like I grew up getting better in what I did every single time. So every time I got rejected became less and less. Yeah. Um, so I got further away from that feeling of being rejected. So when I after college, when I went into auditions, it was more painful because the, the rejection got much closer. Mm. Um, and I think when you try new things, you, you, you're able to fail easier. And that's something that you can take into your, your, your main career, quote unquote, or your main hobby is that you're, you give yourself the permission to fail a little bit more, to reinvent and to build yourself back up again. So trying new things and doing something you didn't know you would ever do or something that you were scared to do allows you that new uh, mindset. 100%. Sure. It's about resilience. You know, you, you go out and you do something and you, and you, it's the one thing that you're focused on and you fail and you fail and you fail. Great. Because that's the only way that you can eventually succeed is, mm -hmm. to, is to learn how to fail. But that rejection, uh, if you don't have another outlet mm -hmm. to put yourself into, then calcifies within you. And then you get bitter and angry. Yeah. And, yeah. and dejected and depressed about this thing that you're supposed to love. You're yeah. supposed to love your career. You, you know, let's I'm using the example of theater, but you can do this with anything in the arts, but like you're supposed to love theater and absolutely love it. And if you don't have some other outlet so that you can give it a rest every now and then, mm -hmm. then it's just going to become a chore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the thing that you love. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about something that you said. You have this, uh, project this podcast that you, you need to <laughs> tell me first why you wanted to start a podcast so 
this podcast has has gone through many maturations um and it's going to probably go through another one to be honest with you before there's not a single episode that's published so i'll just put that out there first of all um but it's why? Start why you've done i've i've looked at your instagram you've done interviews there's people that sat on the couch twice for like why? sometimes the same people have done interviews twice yeah and i see them they're from many many months ago what what what's stopping you from just putting them out there my perfectionism yeah 100 percent. i'll name it i know what it is mm -hmm. it's it's my perfectionism it's wanting it's it's i let a lot of times i let perfect be the enemy of good yeah or enough or, or enough or yeah. done mm -hmm. or done you know i let i i make perfect the enemy of of completion um, that it has to be perfect before I put it out there in the world. And it's got to be something that people are going to love. And I've got, it's a nitpick the shit to death. Now, quick question for you. How did last year affect your perfectionism? Because we moved into this oh. era of like, we needed to be online and understanding technology had to be like, like this. Mm -hmm. How did last year in 2020 and the pandemic affect that for you? Um, I think at first, uh, it sent, it, it gave me anxiety yeah. to be honest with you. Like the, the, the idea of perfectionism, because it was like, oh crap. Cause we didn't know at the beginning, we, we like, we, we, we spent so long not knowing what was going to happen yeah. that we were like, okay, what in the world's going to happen with this? Um, then as it went on, um, I fairly quickly transitioned over into voiceover and, you know, I, I have acting training. Yeah. Okay. So I'm already sort of a step ahead of the game, but voiceover is a very different world. And, and I think the, the, the issue is that too many actors think, oh, well, I'm an actor. I'll just stick a microphone in front of my face and I'll be able to do voiceover without a problem. It's a mm -hmm. very different beast. Um, and it's a wonderful beast and it's great because you can, I can sit here in a t-shirt with, you know, the thing like I, I should show you the setup I have in here. I've got a monitor sitting up here. You know, I've got like the, the whole thing. I've got my, my microphone is over here so I can stand up, sit down. You know, I've got the whole, like I've got this whole setup and yeah, it's expensive and it's, I've, I've spent some money, but to your point, my perfectionism started to go away because I was starting at ground zero all over again. Yeah. I was starting in a new profession where I didn't know, quote unquote, didn't know anything. Right. And I had to learn all over again. And it's not a, oh, you learn in three months and you're making thousands of dollars. It's a slow burn just like theater is where it takes you a little while. You're going to audition 80, 90 times before you get a yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, but the, the good part was that I know myself much better now than I did when I was 22 and starting mm -hmm. to audition. So I knew that I had, I was a perfectionist and I knew that I had to get rid of that in order to just show up for the mm -hmm. material. I had to learn again, how to just show up and be okay with it not being entirely okay at first. I'm not going to know everything right away and that's okay. Yeah. Um and so it is with that spirit that one of the big goals and it really isn't a big goal, it's going to be more of a smaller goal is to really start publishing some yeah. of this podcast in 2021. Yeah. So your perfectionism, your perfectionism is holding you back from all of this. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. How many 
So how much did you know about podcasting before you started it? None. None. I, I knew that I liked it. I knew that I, I enjoyed listening to podcasts. And um, who are some that you listen to? Oh, I love Radiolab uh-huh. uh, on NPR. I love Radiolab. Um, I love um, Mark Maron's podcast, WTF. Huh. Oh, oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Um, and he's he's a big, he's somebody that that I really would like to like to emulate with my interview style um and also um uh david letterman with his with his netflix show Mm -hmm. Uh, i think david letterman is such a wonderful interviewer because he's just like he's just so laid back and he's he's so chill um uh, but yet he is effective and simplistic at the same time in his interview style. Now, of course that, that video is, or that show is edited. So you don't yeah. really know what happens in between, but, um, but yeah, so I didn't know too, too much. I mean, I bought like podcasting for dummies. You know what oh, I mean? Like, you read, you read materials. you got your, this, is my, this is my perfectionism, right? <laughs> this is, this is, I've got to get the materials. I have to know exactly how to do it. I have to follow it step by step by step by step rather than just, dive in and figure it out as I go. Right? It's so, yeah. And uh, people ask me, well, how, how did you start it? Or why did you start it? I said, listen, I watch, I'm a YouTube watcher. Yeah. So I watch people have conversations. I'm in love. I love watching mukbangs. I love all of that. I love people conversing while eating. I love people talking. I like talking to my friends on the phone. And I was doing that a lot. People said, so how did you start it? I said, I watched somebody on YouTube sit in front of a camera, it's mildly edited, and eat for an hour. And I watched it for an hour. And I said, after about a, a thousand minutes of watching somebody eat um, <laughs> with sauce on it, I said, if this woman or this set of people can do that, I can, I can surely I can record. 100%. And I can put it into the software that I know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I said, okay. I kept putting obstacles in my own way, like, oh, I don't have a name or I don't have graphics. I don't have people that are going to do it for me. And every single time I started with the furthest one, nobody's going to do it. And I called like 10 people and like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's like, crap. Now I got to Now I got to live up to them. And I said, well, I don't have any graphics. And I went to this app and they're like, oh, I'll have it to you tomorrow. It's like, oh, crap. So it's starting to get closer and closer. It's like, I got to do this. I got to figure it out. And yeah, I figured it out. I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it out there and see what happens. And that's how it started. Like, yeah, it was the one thing in my life that I just kind of did. I found people to have good conversations with that have great stories and, and just kind of pushed it out there. Cause I saw a need, like I listened to the, like for a really long time, I listened to WTF when I w- lived in Miami, uh-huh. probably six years ago. Then I stopped listening to it. Yeah. And I started venturing towards like uh, RuPaul's podcast. I love it. What's the tea with Michelle, Michelle Visage. I loved that one. And I listened to a lot of drag queen ones, Trixie and Katya's I'm really in love with now and, yeah. and Bob and Monet's. Um, but I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. It's, and it's kind of been that, that outlet for me trying something new, being able to fail at it, but it was my own thing. And yeah. I always, and I follow like podcast groups that are like, you have to do it like this, or this is the best way to do it. Well, and that's my perfectionism. That's me. So I'm yeah. like, I follow it. Like I look at the groups. I'm like, oh, oh, that's the way I have to do it. Okay. That's the way I have to do it. I have to do this and I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And then you're letting perfection be the yeah. enemy of completion. Yeah. I know you're, uh, you, I saw 
you put out stuff for your podcast a while ago and I was really intrigued because you're a really good conversationalist and you really your tone and your the just everything you have your lively spirit makes conversation so wonderful um so I was like oh I can't wait to I can't wait to to hear this and then I wanted to have you on because I wanted to talk about it um when are we going to hear it let us yeah know. well 2021 here we are okay um, uh, it'll have, it'll have a deadline soon. And I, it's like, that's, that's the goal, but it's going to go through another maturation. So the current, the current maturation of it is called, it's called literally me. I love it. Um, because and NPS, you have logo. I do. Isn't it terrible? You've got the whole nine yards. You've got mic set up. You have the whole thing. I know. I know. Um, so it's liter it's currently literally me, which is also a play on my name and initials because my mm -hmm. initials are M E. So it's literally me, um, but not necessarily. But uh, and or yeah. uh, it, it 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 might switch a little bit because you know, in the wake of everything that's going on right now in our world, yeah. I do think that there is a huge amount of me, 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 which is fine. Um, but I think that in a way, we as a collective need to have more conversations and it needs to be about the greater good at this point. Um, so it could potentially change into literally we rather than literally me. Um or it could, you know, take on some other thing. You know, I have this, I'm going to, I'm going to pull back the curtain and look at my thing so I don't screw it up. I have this, um, this painting that I did during the pandemic. That's based on, that's based on, um, a, a thing that's out there in the world. Uh, it, I didn't make it up. It's, it, but what it is, is that it's in this house, right? In this house, black lives matter. Uh, women's rights are human's rights. Love is love. Immigrants make America great. Uh, science is real. Education is key, and kindness is everything. Mm -hmm. um, and and I kind of think that that's going to be the basis, yeah, for the podcast at this point. Is that that's what we're going to go off of, and we're going to have conversations about that in all different manners. And the ori the original podcast was called the Modern Multi Hyphenate which was about like having your hand in all these pots. Right. And then it went to literally me and now who the hell knows what it's going to be, but it's coming in 2021. It's going yeah. to happen. Good. I'm so glad. And the, a friend of mine has always told me, I'm always like, I don't know if I'm going to do, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Like maybe I should stop at 12. Maybe I need to go to 16. Maybe I need to keep going all year. And he always just says, you could do whatever you want because it's your show. And yep. I always have to tell myself it's my own. Like that's right. What nobody else can tell me how this is gonna this is gonna be run, and you're absolutely right. Conversations need to be had between people um, to help everybody ease kind of the stress that's going on in their minds or in their own thoughts. Because somebody that they don't know but are listening to on your podcast might say something that triggers them to help ease. A moment in their life yeah. and that's my only goal with with starting this podcast was to help somebody else find an answer that they didn't have be before yeah. and people everybody says oh you have to find a niche or you have to find a reason why to fill it and that's the reason that why i started this because i needed to know for myself what i needed to do next and i needed to have on the the most highly sought after people in their profession 
to give me examples on what I need to be doing next mm. and how I need to connect the dots. And if my path is going to be parallel or perpendicular to theirs. Mm. And maybe, maybe I didn't necessarily need to go into directing or I don't need to go into creative uh, curating for experiences and stuff, but it, I could find out how they got there and say, oh, maybe I can sneak my way onto that path and see if that works for me. And that's it. Fill a void for somebody. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what I wanted to do with my podcast the whole time. Amen. Give somebody an answer. And I originally started it with um, telling people about education versus people that didn't have education or didn't go yep. to school and yep. what the different paths were because I wanted to help that youth and say, listen, you, these people had amazing careers and they went to college. These people had amazing careers and didn't go to college, but see the struggle in both and see the reward of both. Yeah. And then and it's kind of evolved into getting into workplaces. These people have been on Broadway. This is how they got there. These people have are, are successful creatives and directors. And this is the, the process that they got there. And it's kind of been this evolutionary process, kind of like you, you've been through three different brandings, you know, we, oh, me yeah. hyphenated. So it's, it's kind of that evolution, but it's your own. So you can yeah, do it. Exactly. And I can't wait to hear at least one of these. <laughs> I can't wait to hear them either. <laughs> I can't wait to subscribe and I can't wait to listen to all of them. But tell us a little bit about your voiceover as well. Your voiceover experiences. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I got to say this first and foremost, I, I have never felt uh, a, or been a part of a more welcoming community than the voiceover community. Nice. Um, you know. And always, and I, it's always so strange because I see articles or here and there about voiceover actors, the most unassuming people. Yes. Like, they, they're like, I'm the voice of this one, this one, this one. Doesn't matter gender. Doesn't matter race. I voice over 96 people. And I look at them and I'm like, you do all of those things. The most honest yeah. people. Yeah. Well, right. And you look at somebody and they're like, you know, they'll they'll speak to you, you know, hi, how are you? You know, like this is their this is their normal voice. And yet they'll have a voice like this when they go on to do the thing. You know what I mean? Like they, they'll come up with some voice and you're like, that came out of that person. There's no yeah. way. Um, but what I think is is so cool about the voiceover industry is that it has so many different avenues, right? When you go into theater, it's like, okay, you can either do Shakespeare or you're going to do straight plays or you're going to do music theater. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. I mean, you can go cruise ships and like there's a couple other like yeah. those are the big three. Voiceover, you've got commercials, you've got animation, you have video games, you have yeah. um, audiobooks, you have IVR, which is for English, press one. Oh, yes. To reach a bub -a -bub, press two. You know, to uh -huh. cut off your left hand and sign this yeah. thing in blood, press three. You know, and there's those people out there. That's a voiceover job. Yeah. You know, um, anytime you've had to go online and take a learning course, unless it's the yeah. teacher doing it themselves, that's there's voiceover for that. Um, if you've worked in in corporate America and you've had to take any sort of trainings or had like every day we make the world a better place, you mm -hmm. know, like that's that's voiceover. Um, and then there's you know an animation, all different kinds of animation, video game from computers to you know um, Red Dead Redemption, you know, like it's all voiceover. Um, Anytime you turn on the radio in your car, yeah. you watch TV, you know, like, you know, 
nine out of 10 doctors are recommending yeah. Allegra. You know what I mean? That's it's vo there's voiceover everywhere. Um, and it yeah. is the industry that has not stopped working during the pandemic. It hasn't sure. stopped. Mm -hmm. It hasn't stopped at all. Why? Because there was a period of time where actors could not be in front of cameras. Well, all of a sudden you have a voice studio and a broadcast quality one, by the way, I will have to say that like, you can't just strap a microphone to your face and do this and, and succeed. You have mm -hmm. to have good space. You have to have good equipment, you know, um, it, it, and you have to have training. You have to have training just like everything else. Like don't just strap a microphone and, and go. Um, there's training, but, um, there are, the community is so helpful and so welcoming and there's so much there. There is work for everyone who is going to be there in the voiceover industry. Mm -hmm. You just have to find your niche and what you love to do. There are some people out there who are in the voiceover industry who hate audiobooks in every way yeah. shape and form like who just do they, they cannot because it's a lot of work people yeah. don't realize how much work goes into uh doing an audiobook because you got to read the whole book first you got to prep the entire book mm -hmm. you know, like i'll go through I'm, I'm working on an audiobook right now you know you'll go through it and you'll you, you have to if it's if it's a, a fiction book you have to make sure that every single character is different Mm -hmm. You don't have to have completely different voices, but they, you need to make sure that you're consistent with them through the thing. So I'll have different colors for every single character that goes through when they're saying things. When you're reading a line, it'll be like, you know, um, TJ is a wonderful person. He shouted. Well, he shouted is after the, the thing that they're saying. Yeah. So if you don't realize that that's coming up before you say TJ is a wonderful person. Then it'll be like, TJ is a wonderful person. He shouted. <laughs> yeah. like, wait, wait a minute. No. So you have to circle it, go back to the head. Oh, this is, he's shouting here. TJ is a wonderful person, you know, and, yeah. and have microphone technique in order to not blow people's ears out. Right. You know, um, one of the coolest things I learned in a, in a recent class that I took was, um, a technique on how to scream without damaging your vocal cords for things like a video game. Mm. You know, instead of, ah, instead of, ah, you know, it, it doing something and using the mic and using the technique so that you can go and that when they blow the whole thing up all of a sudden it sounds like a blood curdling scream of somebody dying because they got shot you know what i mean yeah. um so there's all kinds of cool stuff that you can do and you can be in pjs doing it yeah that's so you know i as you were talking i'm thinking in my head gosh what are some like voiceovers that i hear daily and you're I don't like watching TV that much. I watch YouTube. I'm a YouTuber. YouTube. Um, it's all over YouTube. It's all over YouTube. Every commercial. Pre-roll for YouTube. Every yeah. ad you see on YouTube, yeah. and Instagram, and Facebook, every ad, voiceover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Some of my favorite things to listen to are voiceovers. And here's one example. I love the monorail at Disney World. Yes. <laughs> It literally is one of my favorite things. Yes, of course. If, if, like, if somebody had to ask me, like, what are 10 of your favorite things in your entire life? I would say the voiceover at Disney World in general, but on the monorail is my yeah. favorite. Yeah. <laughs> is in there. Yeah. And it, it's so, it's so unassuming, but 
I see how it could be very time consuming and so rewarding though at the same time. And it's a hustle. I mean, like it's, it's just like theater is you got to want it. You got to, you got to go after it. You have to work for it, but it is a blast. Mm -hmm. It is really, really, really cool. So cool. Well, I can hire you to um, audiobook my uh, children's series. Yes. I'm here. I am. I told, I uh, told people already. I said, I love doing um, um, children's books, by the way, children and young adult, young adult. Oh my gosh. It's a freaking blast. Those are so much fun to do. Yeah. I don't know why in the, in the, in the pandemic, I was like, Oh, I had already started this podcast. I was like, I need to do something else. It's like, I've been always for the past two years, I've been wanting to write a book, maybe longer. And I've always started, I didn't really tell people I wanted to write a book. And then finally this year, I was like, I got to say it. So I do it. And that's what I, that's how I started my podcast. I told a friend, I said, I'm going to start a podcast. He was like, okay, I'm going to hold you to it. I said it on the show as part of an interview that I was going to do. I was going to start, I was going to write my first book of my series. So 2021 has me writing a children's yes, book. That's great. Yeah. And I'm so excited. It's something new. Um, I hated English. I started this podcast too, because I hated people made me hate the sound of my voice, Yep. but I realized it wasn't the sound of my voice. That was important. It was what's coming out of it. That's correct. So it's the same thing. I hated English, but it wasn't my, my lack of English. That's going to make me, um, or my lack of English. I don't know. Grammar or all of that. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. That's going to stop me from writing this book because I know how to do all of it. Sometimes I just get lazy. So I was like, I'm just going to write this book. You just do it. Just do it. That's the thing. So I, I, in back in 20, um, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, I was in the process of writing a book. Um, and I paused because 2020 turned into crazy because here's the thing. As soon as the pandemic hit and we had all this time on our hands, yeah. like, I don't know about you. Some people were like gung ho, but then they got burned out really quick. Yeah. I, the pandemic hit and I was like, I have zero desire to do anything creative period. Like I really did. It hit me. I was like, nope. And that's okay. Like, because some of the people who have been going balls to the wall since the pandemic started are going to hit a wall, hit that same wall. uh, When all of a sudden things open back up again, because they haven't stopped and taken any rest or recuperation time for their creative brain whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Now, Having said that, there are some people that we're going to see the most creative things come out of this pandemic. Yeah. Um, but you see, I get off on tangents too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 2021 will probably see me get back to the book that I'm that I was planning on writing also. And I've got like two or three different ideas of different books that that I could write at this point. Yeah. So you have a lot of books. So you're going to turn into an author. Yeah. So one, of them is, one of them is um, a book about sports for people who know absolutely nothing about sports. I can't wait because I know zero. Like even, even less, like even less um, specific than like a four dummies book or something like that. Like even more like. To, I mean, to like, like, let's talk the tea, you know, yeah. it might even be, it might even be once it gets out there, like once I work on it a little bit, it might even just be for like the gay community. Like, all right, friends, let's talk about. Right. Let's, yeah. Let's go ahead and, you know, help us communicate to a few other people. Because, sport. because here's the thing. I find a lot of people in the gay community, but in general who are like, I hate sports are people that 
because sports is not welcoming to them. It's intimidating to them because yeah. they don't know anything about it. And then they're like, Oh God, fuck it. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's, if you, if you have a guide, if you have a way to like talk through it, if you, you know, you're yeah. talking about, then it's not so bad. And you're like, Oh, okay. I get this, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, then it's more accessible. For sure. I need it completely. I don't even know. Like somebody's like, Oh, what team is in Oregon? I, I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Everybody right. knows. I mean, but let's, and that's let's, fine too. Like yeah. I'm not making every single homo like learn sports. Do you know what I'm no, saying? Like that's not the point of it. We've got, I know a lot, quite a few gay men and women that are both absolutely into sports. Like love, 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 love. I see it on their Instagrams all the time. They're like, this sport, sport, sport. And I was, I'm always like, I'm like, dang, I know zero about that. But here's the purpose of the book. The pe the purpose is in the, of the book isn't to turn every single homo into a sports fan. The purpose of the book is to let you understand it so that you're not intimidated by it when yeah. that, that guy or girl that you're dating is a huge sports fan and you're like, oh God, well, I don't know anything about it. I might as well just stop. Or yeah. when your nieces or nephews I like have a soccer game and you're like, I don't know anything about soccer, but I want to support my niece or nephew. Or you, you know... Those sorts of things, those human connections, yeah, like they can they can evolve in many different ways. And this is just yet another avenue that is so unbelievably popular in America that mm -hmm. you know we can connect with those other people. It's about finding connection. Yeah. Um, um, two things: you need to expedite this book because I need it ASAP, <laughs> if not sooner. Um, and it doesn't. It's not necessarily about the gay community. There's a no, lot of no, people no, no. that. <laughs> about oh my God. That the people. i have i have straight friends uh, uh more than a few straight friends that that were like oh my god i need this book in my pocket tomorrow yeah uh so we're we're working on that and then i'm gonna tease you with this are you ready okay i'm ready here's the second book i'm working on so oh my i just god. recently went through an experience where a friend of mine um a friend of mine passed away okay and all of a sudden we learned some things about mm -hmm. uh, the relationship that I had with this person that I never, ever, ever knew before. And um, it's basically like a giant CSI New York, like flip it on its head situation. So this is going to be like based on a true story. Like, and it's basically going to be a, is this fiction or is this nonfiction like no have you have you tried to unravel these stories a little bit like i've written a lot of things down i haven't like put pen to paper in terms of the narrative itself yet um yes but there's there's that one and then the third one that i'm working on is like more of a self-help in the self-help world okay uh, yeah yeah it's called um it's called conversations with mark and larry um where um See, you got you 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 have all the, the tools already well, the problem is I have all of the like big sexy things done. Like I've got the name and yeah. I've got like, you know, the thick, but I haven't actually like sat down and wrote. Yeah. You've got the branding. You've got the name. We've got the pictures. <laughs> you've got your, your, your cover art. You, you have everything you need. Day, the unimportant things are done. It's yeah. Like the actual story itself is nowhere close to done. So, yeah. So I can't wait to hear this podcast and I can't wait to read this book this year. Um, and I asked people this to end the, end the interviews is, you know, in 2015, when somebody asks you in five years, where do you see yourself? Of course, none of us saw that a pandemic sure. was going to happen and put us in a completely different mindset. But in five years from now, where do you think you see Mark Edwards? 
Um, Oh, and don't worry. I'm going to have this podcast around. So in 2025, I'm going to play it for you. Good, good, good. You should. No, I think, I think 2025 um, will, will be a completely different version of Mark Edwards than what you see in 2020 or 2021. Um, I, in, in, in the best way possible, you know, everybody is on their own path um, and it takes a while for, for certain people to hit some markers that other people do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until the age of 35 when a pandemic hit that I had the courage to hit a few of those markers. Um, So it's only onward and upward. I see, I see myself. I don't know if I see myself as an actor in 2025, Mm -hmm. like a a music theater performer. Don't know. Um, Maybe not. Cause I do like the idea of security. I do like the idea of, like some, there are days when I'm like, oh my God, wouldn't being a banker just be the wonder, most wonderful thing in the world? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, because I'm like, I, I love the idea of health insurance that never, oh, yes. and a pension that I can yeah. retire on. Uh, but no, I, I, I see myself, um, in five years, um, incredibly happy. incredibly healthy uh hopefully with a man on my hip um no i'm just gonna name that man on my hip uh not like a baby not like a toddler you're bouncing no 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 no. i don't foresee children in my future i got three nephews who i absolutely love so that's fine but you never know but definitely not in the next five years oh god Mm -hmm. no kids like if not for me uh but uh See, here's the thing is that like, I jokingly say I'm too selfish to have kids. I'm not too selfish, but at the age I'm like, I'm 35 now. Okay. So like in five, like if I, let's say I find somebody that I want to marry tomorrow. Okay. I want to spend some time with that person before I have kids. And then I'm going to be like 45 years old and like having a child at 45. I'm like, no, for me, no, thanks. (laughs) I'm good. Yeah. I want my money. Like I want, to, I want to keep my money. I don't have my. I want my money. I want to keep all of those things. I want my sanity. I want to keep yes. all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm gonna be a millionaire in five years. How about that? Great. I love it. So you're gonna be a millionaire with a man on your hip. Yeah, we're gonna be in Mykonos. We're gonna like lay on the beach in Mykonos with all them men with the tiny bikinis everywhere. That's what's gonna happen. You'll be happy, you'll be healthy, and what you're doing, who knows? Maybe you win the lottery and you don't have to worry who about it. Who the hell knows? And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Mark, you are the most exceptional conversationalist. I love just talking to you. Going on tangents is joy. joy. I'm so glad that you said yes to do this. And how? let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Yeah. So currently I am at Mark Edwards NYC on Instagram and Twitter, although I don't twit very much. Um, so I'm mainly on Instagram. Oh, I have to tell you, like, follow me on um, at Mark Edwards NYC on Instagram because every Monday I do Dad Joke Monday. Yes. I love it. That's the thing that I'm most, do you know what? I'm going to go back. Like, I think you asked a question, like in the first thing of like, what are you most proud of in 2020 or something like that or whatever? It's my dad joke Mondays. I love dad joke 
Mondays. I love doing these things. I love cultivating them. I love how people are now like, oh my God, I found one. And they send me like dad jokes because they're so excited to send me these things. It's been just an absolute joy to bring joy to others in that way. So follow me at Mark Edwards NYC on Instagram. Yeah. And your podcast is at literally me at literally me pod. Is it literally me pod or literally me? I have no idea. See, I don't even know. Isn't that terrible? I think I went in and I saw it literally, I put in literally me and it showed up because I, just because I know what your logo is and all of those things, but, um, you'll be able to find it. We're going to hear it from you. Terrible. I should, I should know exactly what it is. Well, Uh, I'm sure if you go on yours, you, you have a link to it. Yes. There you go. Yes, I do. So, Mark Edwards, I would say thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you taking your time to do this for me. TJ, this has been an absolute joy. Yay! Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow Ease Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.